0: I'm not the only speaker today who'll come to this microphone, but it is my honor to begin this. I'll have a couple who will, others who will follow me, but uh, let me just do my part uh, to kick this off. Um, I wanted you to hear me say some of these things. an ordained member of the clergy who's given my life to studying the scriptures and to ministering with and to people um, for nearly 26 years. There are six verses, six verses out of the 31,102 verses in the Bible, which, at least in English Bibles, mentions the word homosexuality or something close to that word. The word homosexuality did not appear in any of those six verses in any English Bible, nor in the remaining 31,000 or so plus verses, nor in, in any single translation of the Bible till 1946. Not all that long ago, some of you are thinking, I hope, at least looking around the room, I'm thinking that. The six verses use the word homosexuality or something close to it, but it's an inaccurate, limited, problematic choice of words because when one looks at these six verses, they're actually addressing Topics like rape, prostitution, the abuse of power and children, or extramarital affairs, which is how these verses were more clearly and descriptively translated prior to 1946. You can look all this stuff up if you have that weird thing called the Internet. I hope you will. So when a person tells me that they adhere to an older, more traditional, more biblical point of view towards human sexuality, I usually chuckle under my breath, and it's kind of ironic, actually. If a person is not willing to tell you the lenses through which they interpret the Scriptures, but instead they insist on what they just believe the Bible plainly says, or they let the Bible speak for itself, I want to encourage you to consider refusing to discuss biblical matters much further with this person, for they have chosen to believe certain biases, but they're unable or unwilling to name them. I'm willing to name my lenses through which I view the scriptures. Here they are, at least the ones I'm aware of. I don't read the Bible to settle things. The Bible, in my view, was not written to settle things. The Bible actually was written to start things, important conversations about life, about faith, about love, about God, about humanity, about the universe, about everyday stuff like farming or going to the store or fishing and many other things dealing with everyday life. So I read the Bible with certain biases of my own. But I hope I read it mostly with a bias towards love and towards bringing human beings together to pursue justice and the type of peace that only comes through justice and the kind of love that is willing to celebrate the beautiful diversity and differences we find not only among humanity, but among all of creation. I read the Bible fully realizing that God did not write the Bible. Human beings wrote the books that make up the Bible. Human beings voted on what books were included in the library of sacred books we call the Bible. Human beings were involved in translating the books in the Bible from other languages into whatever languages we have all over the world today. And human beings are the ones that interpret, apply, teach, and preach the verses, all of them, in the Bible. God doesn't do that part for us. I say all of these things not to discredit the Bible, but rather to point out that God is not responsible for the horrible and hateful ways human beings have misused and abused the Bible over the centuries. I don't feel the need to defend the Bible either, by the way, or to defend God for that matter. Just to say that, in my view, appreciating the Bible doesn't mean we refuse to ever question it or to push back against some of the assumptions that are being made, because most of the time those assumptions don't belong to God. They belong to other human beings. We aren't actually questioning the Bible itself most of the time in those cases, but someone else's interpretation of the Bible that has generally been handed down to us whether we knew it or not. I love my ancestors. But I do question their judgment sometimes, and I know they would mine on other topics. How about you? So if you want specifics and you want more details on the six verses, I'm happy to oblige. I've preached several 20-minute sermons just in the last few years on the topic. I'll be glad to point you where you can find those online. I have a couple of different hour-long Bible studies that I've taught or that I've used over the course of the last couple of decades. But here's my quick summary for you, for those who are keeping notes at home or in your mind, or we'll look this up later. Six references out of the 31 plus thousand. First, the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah, people always point to, wasn't homosexuality. It was ignoring the poor and the needy that got their city destroyed. The Bible actually says that, by the way if we actually are willing to read it. Second and third of these six passages of Scripture are found in the Levitical laws in chapters 18 and 20 from the book of Leviticus. And there, uh, I find it curious that most all of the other Levitical laws are not observed by modern-day Christians, but that most have chosen to use this one word, homosexuality, which even wasn't there nineteen forty six, 1946, to, to be the end all, be all, quote, sin. But I find it interesting in chapters 18 and 20 of Leviticus why this one thing would be lifted up, and yet so many, I'm looking around the room, I'm going to guess that some of your clothes aren't 100% the same fabric. But wearing mixed fabric, you know, like one of my favorite blends, 60% cotton, 40% polyester. Telling on my lack of style a little bit there, probably. (laughs) But... Uh, Why so many Christians eat pork or shellfish? On and on and on the list goes. By the way, these verses were dealing with loopholes that married people were finding in their vows. If you were married or you were committed to a partner uh, to be faithful and loving, that was the point. And yet they were they were finding loopholes, saying, "Well, if I had sexual relations with a person of the same sex, that's not really cheating." That's what was going on. That's what was being addressed. The other three are in the New Testament. The scripture references 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9 through 10, 1 Timothy 1, verse 10, and Romans 1, verse 26 and 27, where the word homosexuality referenced, and remember, only since 1946, was translated, interestingly enough, in Bibles in Germany and in other parts of the world where they have a more diverse vocabulary, a more descriptive vocabulary than our relatively limited English language, the words, interestingly enough, in these three New Testament contexts, in Germany, was the equivalent of boy molester. Because that is exactly what the Apostle Paul was addressing. He was addressing grown men in a practice known as pederasty, where eight, usually 8 to 12-year-old boys were basically pimped out to grown men, in order by their parents, in order to supposedly let them advance their place in society as they would grow older and take their places in the marketplace and in the business world. And I, for one, am actually thankful that Paul was addressing this abuse of children. It would be a crime not to. I'm deeply saddened that these verses have been used to oppress my LGBTQ beloveds. And I have committed my life and ministry to standing with those who are marginalized and oppressed, not in spite of my faith or what I think the Bible says, but because of my faith and what I think the Bible says. And I'm deeply grateful that this congregation feels the same way. So I'll be happy to fill you in on the long version of some of the backstories of some of those studies. Hit me up. We can do that another time. But I want to pass the torch to those coming after me. I'll call on the Bodensteins and and Jackie Kropp to make their way. Bodenstein's coming, and then you can come, Jackie. It'd be fine. But thanks be to God for the gift of love in all its diverse and glorious expressions. Amen.